Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 175. Thank you for joining us. Today, Colby's Megan Lengel, a University of Dallas alumna, joins Bonnie and I to welcome University of Dallas President Dr. Jonathan Sanford. Dr. Sanford had joined Colby families and graduates early in the year in Atlanta as our commencement speaker. Today, he joins us to talk about the University of Dallas. From its origins to the Rome semester and the many opportunities that UD provides, we're glad that you can join us in our visit to the president's office. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, Colby homeschooling mom of four lads and lasses, liturgical musician, popcorn, and podcast fanatic. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Hi, Stephen. What's a good word today? Uh, I'm going with transformative today. Transformative. All right. like it. Transformative. Okay. I don't know if that's actually a word. I might have just made that up, but uh, transformation, transformative, something like that, I go, I guess. Right. All right. Okay. We are happy to have with us Megan Lengel, Colby's Chief Academic Officer. Hi, Megan. Good to have you back. It's funny. It's good to see you again. It's always a joy to have you visiting here with us. Today, our guest is Dr. Jonathan Sanford, the president of University of Dallas. Hi, Dr. Sanford. Thanks for coming to the Colby Cast. My pleasure to join you, Bonnie. Thanks so much for having me. You're most welcome. It's good to have you here. We have many Colby graduates who are now students at University of Dallas or alumni of both institutions. So it's a it's a longstanding friendship and partnership that we're happy to celebrate today and hear more about. Let's get to know you a bit first. Would you tell us about yourself and your background and your own experience as a student um, coming up through a Catholic post-secondary institution. Yeah, thank you. And let me just say, I love having Colby graduates at the University of Dallas and um, they're they're shining examples of what we are um, working towards with all of our students at the university. So you guys do a fantastic job with with the education that you provide. And I was so privileged to um, address the graduating class this past, I think it was June, um, and uh, uh, do that in, in person. So it's it's a wonderful institution of which each of you are a part. Um, so my, my background, uh, this could be very long or, or very short. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm from Indiana, South Bend, Indiana, to be precise, originally, and uh, fell in love with um, the, the um, approach that Colby takes, classical education, because I, I went to a, a 7 through 12 a classical education school called Trinity School at Greenlawn and had many wonderful uh, teachers there. And um, I went to a, a Catholic university in order to study basically um, classical literature. So I was in a, a Greek and Latin program called Honorum Artis Baccalorum. It was four years of reading great literature in Greek and Latin. And um, I picked up philosophy as a second major along the way and loved it so much that I, I decided to continue to, to study philosophy um, with the only aim in mind of teaching. And um, I thought, well, um, it, it would be great to teach on the college level. Maybe I'll teach on the high school level. I really didn't know. Um, I, I didn't have aspirations really beyond that, other than being a good husband and father. So my wife and I were actually married after our sophomore year of college, which I know is um, rather young. And um, 
but we we had both made our way together through this classical education seven through twelve school and had known each other for a long time and um had our first child uh, shortly before our senior year and um, now have nine children and four grandchildren and um along the way i i um i rode in college um i i was asked to try out for the basketball team where I went, but thought that would be a lot of bench time for me. It was a D1 school and um, really enjoyed rowing and uh, picked up a lot of odd jobs along the way. I was blessed with a, a great scholarship and so was my wife. But um, uh, once we were married, expenses kept mounting and and I continued to do that. So I painted professionally um, through high school and college and most of graduate school eventually having my own my own company and did that during breaks and summer times and um um I suppose that's a, that's a part of my story but I I I really fell in love with the classical tradition and when I was in graduate school I I um really worked to wed the um love that I had for Aristotle and Plato and the great tragedians and and others from uh, the Greek tradition with with the the Catholic philosophical tradition. I'm I'm a, a huge admirer of Saint John Paul II and found my way uh, thinking seriously about and studying early phenomenology because of his own work that is JP2's work with Max Scheler who was a German phenomenologist and and. Um, once I completed my dissertation, which was on Aristotle and, and Shaler, I taught at um, Fordham University on a postdoc and then taught at Franciscan University of Steubenville for 13 years. And along the way, I started different things. I was in a lot of different leadership positions, um, president of the graduate student uh, philosophy um, body at, at um, where I did my PhD. And, and then um, at uh, Franciscan, I I was chair of the Department of Philosophy after about three years and and kept taking on progressive uh, leadership roles while, while continuing to teach more or less full time. And I still teach um, even in my role as president. And um, I love the thought of St. Thomas Aquinas, Aristotle, um, but I, I teach a wide array of, of works of philosophy and sometimes literature as well. I, I'm sorry, I should say that I've been at the University of Dallas now for about a little more than eight years. So I started as the dean of the undergraduate college, and then was provost, and I've been president for two years. And I I, I fell in love with the University of Dallas. I it, it um, um, I quickly saw was my intellectual home, and the, the vitality of the faculty and the engagement of the students is what I had been looking for um, throughout my career. And um, I'm here to stay. This is this is a truly unique and distinctive and excellent Catholic liberal arts university. That says a lot because you have some fierce weather to contend with some heat down there. It's a, that's a yeah, lot. But, but <laughs> September through, through May is pretty awesome. Yes, that's so. true. That is true. That's true. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned speaking to our, our graduating class of 2023, your, your commencement address is in episode 158 of the Colby cast, which I will link in our show notes. Well, Megan, Lengel, our chief academic officer, is a UD alumna herself. So Megan, tell us about your time at UD and your graduate studies after that. Tell us all the things relating to that. Sure. Um, always hard to know where to begin. Uh, I did not want to go to the University of Dallas, and my parents um, made me apply. They said, you just have to apply to the school. You, you don't have to go. 
And then, you know, six months into my senior year, I, I had already committed to another school and my parents were like, well, why don't you just go visit, go ahead and visit. I knew some kids that were there from um, a, like a Catholic camp I had been to in Wisconsin at one point. I grew up in St. Louis. So I went and I had just the most wonderful time. I was able to understand why my parents wanted me to apply there. And I connected with the stu- the kind of students that were there. Um, so I ended up not getting a refund from the previous college I had committed to, but um, went ahead and, and decided to go to UD. And, and I had been given a, a very good amount of scholarship money. So it made the financial decision um, easy for me. Um, it was a difficult transition for me because I had gone to a traditional Catholic school, unlike Dr. Sanford, where he had a classical education prior to something like UD. Mine was very traditional. Um, it was a very good all-girls Catholic school. It had a very good reputation. Um, and I was prepared well for the workload in ter- or the amount of work, if you will, but not the type of work, that deep thinking, the reading, the dense reading that you had to to um, get through. And I'm sitting here at Colby Academy going, oh my gosh, if I had had that in high school, I would have been so much more prepared for a school like UD and gotten even more out of it. And, you know, as you get older, you get wiser and you really appreciate what you had um, when you were younger, as far as being at University of Dallas and the experience of going on the um, Rome semester. So what was interesting about my experience at the University of Dallas is I ended up um, being a physics major. So we're kind of oddballs there as science majors at UD. Um, but it I it really formed me in how important the sciences were, even to um, a classical education institution such as University of Dallas. And the way they approach it was so solid. It was a really, really rigorous science ex- experience for me as an undergraduate, um, I got into the University of Oklahoma's meteorology program, which is pretty competitive to get into. Ever since Twister came out, you know, there's lots of meteorology majors now. So, um, but it was very competitive to get into. I I did get into that. I also got into a research research experience for undergraduates program at OU um, the summer between my junior and senior year um, at UD. And that was also very formative for me and just helping me to decide what my career would be. Well, you know, fast forward, I ended up not doing anything with my meteorology degree. I got this job at Colby Academy. um, And that happened after my husband and I moved to California. And he was also, I met him through the meteorology program. um, And he had a job out in California. This is before you could work remotely. And so I met our executive director at the time and he offered me a job until I could find something else, he said. Well, then I ended up um, helping to uh, redo all of Colby Academy's math and science curriculum, basically from the ground up. Um, It was something they were looking to do. They needed somebody who had that background. And so I found myself falling back on that physics degree that I had from UD and just all the formation that I had there could kind of just get integrated into the curriculum as as I you know was helping to rewrite it, and and then I was there for probably eight nine years, and then we decided to start this online school. So I found myself taking that piece over, um, and of course that's what I do now, and we've been doing that for about eleven years now. So, can I highlight three things that that. Uh, um... Megan just said, Bonnie. Please do. 
Yeah. So one one is yeah she she was a, a science major, and I think sometimes when people hear of a liberal education or a liberal arts school or classical education, they're not thinking of the sciences. Um, but in in point of fact, the original seven liberal arts are predominantly science and math based um, forms of reasoning. And we require all of our students to be able to think mathematically and scientifically. And our second biggest major is actually biology at the university. And um, biology and chemistry and physics and, and a number of other majors that are related to those fields um, are, are really exceptionally pursued here. And we, we have, for instance, um, one of the highest med school placement rates in the country. Now, we are very strong in the humanities, but humanities and liberal arts are, are not the same thing. Um, the, the liberal arts includes the humanities, but, but uh, definitely needs to include scientific thinking. The second thing that, that uh, she mentioned that I really want to emphasize is the opportunity to have a, a research component or an internship or to work with people outside of the university through the collaborations we've built up between our faculty and those other institutions. So one of the reasons we're so successful getting students into PhD programs or right into the corporate world or um, into medical school or what have you is because our regular faculty are, are teaching them. It's not research assistants such as you would find at a, a large institution. We have outstanding faculty working directly with the students. And then they've got a network of faculty outside of the University of Dallas. And we've we've built up many pathways for students to have exposure to their fields on a, on a broader plane. And that's proven really invaluable. And, and then the third thing is what she began with. She received a really generous scholarship at the University of Dallas. 98% of our students receive significant financial aid. And um, I, we, our sticker prices is one thing. The, the actual cost of attendance makes us competitive with most state institutions um, when you look at the at the average cost, which is under 30,000, including room and board. And um, that's that's something that I think it's important for parents to bear in mind. Um, many, many universities do this where there's a sticker price and um, and then there's the the average price. So look look to the average price and don't let the sticker price scare you. We've got generous um, donors who have been building up scholarships and we participate in, in a whole host of, of other opportunities to, to bring that price into a, um, a manageable level. And we do we do look at um, the size of one's family. We have a special program this year because they changed the FAFSA where if you've got another child in college, um, we're offering a $5,000 scholarship right out of the gate if um, if, if you're applying and that that other child does not need to be a college student at the University of Dallas, that could be anywhere. Um, and, and that's a way to, to get past um, what I think in, in some respects is an obstacle to big families applying to college because of the way in which the, the federal student loan program has shifted. So I, I think that's important for, for parents and prospective students to have in mind. I, I'm very happy to have that in mind with, you know, just being two years away from having our first one in college, and then we'll have several more after that. Um, that, that is a really, uh, a unique scholarship. I haven't, I haven't heard of that. I've heard of other unique situations um, from some of our Newman Guide schools where, you know, if you go to 
a Catholic school, you get room and board, or there's like a baseline scholarship, but that's a very unique approach. Mm-hmm. I like that. I also heard that you all waived the application fee up through November 1st. So if students apply early, then their application fee is waived. That's right. Um, it's waived if you apply before November 1st. And um, it's this is this is the window. And we do fully participate with a classical learning test. Um, in fact, I would say it's it's preferred in many respects, although the ACT and the SAT is is um, acceptable as well. But we really want to attract uh, students who've had a classical education. We find that they they flourish in in particular ways at the University of Dallas, building on the foundation that has already been laid. And as I said before, I mean Colby graduates are ideal students for the University of Dallas. Would you recommend to students who are applying that they to optimize most as much scholarship opportunity as possible? Should they be taking the CLT and the SAT and the ACT? Do you think just the CLT is okay? I'm also kind of asking personally, but I'm interested to know what your opinion is. You know, that's that, that's a um, a strategy I have not reflected on. I there there's there's no explicit um, um, advantage at the University of Dallas. Um, so if if you've done um, exceptionally well in one um, of those tests and not another, just Submit the one that you've done exceptionally well in. And, um, um, but we're not going to compare scores from um, two of those tests or three of those tests. But, but give us, give us your best. And, and that's what we'll work with. And we have a way of, of um, thinking about the classical learning test in relation to the ACT and in relation to the SAT. And, and so um, um, just put your, your one best foot forward. And, if if we're if you've submitted scores from both, um, we'll take the highest and um, not not in any way uh, negatively weigh the the lower score. One thing that Dr. Sanford said that stuck out to me was the difference between an undergraduate program like UD that's small, where you have the um, professors actually teaching the courses and not graduate students. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a huge thing for undergrads. When you, if you go to a Big Ten school, um, like my where I got my master's degree, I was teaching lab classes. Now I did get some opportunities at UD to be a lab assistant. I wasn't the primary teacher, but I was in there helping kind of with the labs for some of the physics classes. Um, and that experience really helped me when I went off to grad school and I was in charge of the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's how they that's how they kind of fund your um, your master's degree when you're in the sciences anyway, when you're at a big university. But you're also in classes with you know your intro English class has like 300 kids in it, and you're just not going to get that at at the University of Dallas. You're going to have our small lit trad classes. I I remember I can still remember sitting in mine um, in Brana Paul, and it had maybe 15 kids. Yeah, we we kept those at 18 and. You know, we're we're um, so they're intentionally small, and and we put a very high premium on students and professors being able to develop um, mentoring relationships that are are significant throughout their lives, and um, and you can't do that 
in a in a large lecture hall. And um, the the attention that we give to writing exceptionally well, um, um, that that work requires a smaller class as well, and that really happens in the lit literary tradition sequence. Yeah. For me, coming from Thomas Aquinas College was my I knew of University of Dallas was about the only other Newman Guide school I I knew of when I was going to uh, to college, but. For me, I think of a lot of the Newman Guide schools as these very small, relatively new schools. And so the University of Dallas is very intriguing to me because they are a faithful Catholic organization that's compared to these other schools, large and much older than than most of these schools. So I'm I'm kind of curious how how that how that happened. You know, what what what's that charism that's being carried on that that um, they're continuing to have these great programs, this small feel, yet a bigger, older school? Yeah, that's that's a, a great question. And the University of Dallas is, is unique in a number of ways. So we opened our doors in 1956, and the inspiration at that time was really provided by Bishop Gorman, who was the, the Bishop of the Diocese of Dallas, he, he was a classmate of uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen when he was at Freeburg. He had a, um, a doctorate in history. He, he was a great scholar. And um, his vision was to build a great Catholic university, one that had um, an international reputation. Um, it was by design from the very beginning that we would, we would have a, a PhD program and a, a thriving graduate school, which we do have. And, um, and, and as he was um, thinking about how to do this in a way that could have a big reach and, and a big impact, he, he uh, decided that it needed a lay board from the very beginning. So we were never a diocesan school, even though we were founded by the bishop in collaboration with an order of nuns, the school sisters of Our Lady of Namur. And um, at that time, there was a Cistercian community who had fled Hungary when their monastery was seized. They uh, were invited by Bishop Gorman to come and serve as some of the earliest faculty members at the University of Dallas. They've had a tremendous influence on the university since its doors opened. And um, yet they're not uh, providing the the actual organizational um, uh, elements of the university were independent. We also have a Dominican priory on campus, and many of those Dominican men were part of our our uh, formative years and still are. Our chaplain is a Dominican priest. We have National Dominican Sisters now who teach for us, and um, we're, we're we're just beginning the work of building a convent for them on campus. That's a a relationship that has developed um, because so many of their community are graduates of the University of Dallas. And when I was dean, um, that was when Aquinas College was beginning to have some challenges, and um, if if you recall that, and um, I thought there might be some faculty members available, and there were, and I attracted them to the to the university. They're outstanding teachers, and then. Opus Dei is very active in um, the the area. Um, Regnum Christi is very active in the area. There's a traditional Latin Rite parish that several faculty members helped found just up the street. Um, there's a charismatic community in Irving where the University of Dallas is and, and other authentic Catholic charisms that are attracted to the vision of the university and has helped the university to maintain its fidelity to the church. 
But the, the organizing principle is this vision of what is it to be a great Catholic liberal arts university? Uh, St. John Henry Carl Newman was um, um, an influence from the very beginning, his writings, uh, I mean. And when a, a new core curriculum was developed a couple of years after the founding of the, of the school, um, there, there were a couple of faculty members, um, uh, they were married, who had recently arrived, uh, the Cowans, so Donald and Louise Cowan, and their task was to build an honors college at the University of Dallas. And they spent a year thinking about the best education that they could come up with. And, and then they, they thought, why are we providing this just to a segment of the student population? We need an honors college for all of our students. They're animated by that principle that the former president of University of Chicago articulated so well, that the best education for the best student is the best education for every student. So that, that's been the theme that we've been running with since that core curriculum initially meant for a honors college was put together. And uh, we, we have incredibly committed faculty members who have just held true to that vision and um, have made sure that um, administrators um, played by, by the rules of the essence and purpose of the university or else um, they were gonna, they were gonna uh, raise some, some disturbance um, and alumni who are just committed to this vision of education. So it's a combination of, of an aspiration to really be great and to really be excellent at every level, which, which counteracts, you know, it was right around this time that the Land of Lakes agreement was coming together. If, if you're familiar with this, there was a group of college presidents who met at Lando Lakes and decided, you know, we, we need to water down our fidelity to um, our Catholic identity so that we can become excellent. The University of Dallas sees its commitment to excellence as an expression of its fidelity to uh, the Catholic identity of the university, drawing upon the resources of the Catholic intellectual tradition and and it shows in terms of of what our graduates like Megan do. They're they're running thriving organizations. They're they're the top attorneys in major law firms. They're uh, the best surgeons that you can find in major metropolitan areas um, because they've received this excellent education. And uh, most significantly, they're 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 faithful, responsible citizens who love the church who are, are not hiding um, their light under a bushel back, basket, but in fact are, are uh, striving with every ounce of their energy to reclaim culture. It came up in your introduction and I was impressed because you said that you teach classes and it shows, I think, their, your university's commitment to the, that mission because oftentimes uh, a school president can kind of get pushed into donor relations and in administration and lose track of or I, lose I do, do a lot of that too <laughs> yes i'm sure you do <laughs> but, but, but that but connection you know, it, 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 we're the sort of place where having a, a president teach um is is very fitting and it 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 helps um um, for the faculty to see me in the classroom. And, and frankly, it helps me uh, remember what all of my other work is about. Um, I, I went, as I said before, to graduate school because I, I, I was so grateful for the education I received. And I thought the only way to um, properly say thank you for it is, is to provide as well as I could uh, an excellent education to students that I would teach. So um, 
I, I keep that before me, even when I'm not teaching. Um, but, but I, um, I love teaching and it's energizing. Um, and, um, yeah, a few things are, are, are more fulfilling than teaching. Maybe no things. <laughs> I think I'd be intimidated maybe as a student to take, I don't know, maybe not. I hear you're out and about on the campus quite a bit. Is that, is that true? Shaking hands with the students? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't try to be intimidating, but I, I think I can come off as pretty formal and, um, but I, I love being with the students and they seem to like being with me and I take my suit off and, and play basketball, um, intramural basketball with the students and, and do other fun things. And, and, um, yeah, so I, I, um, I think that that's important. They, you know, it's, it's a place that needs the leader to be amongst its people. So. I know at the time when I was at Thomas Aquinas college, it was a much smaller school than what you, what you are now, but that always, I had a couple of classes with the person who was president at the college at the time, and then future presidents and things. And it always not only gaining from their wisdom. So I guess it wasn't the intimidation factor, but the fact as a student that I've, you know, they would ask about, well, what's, what's dorm life like, how things going, you know, and you get these relationships with, so for me, it felt as a student, like I, the president is concerned about me as a person, my formation and my well-being. And it seemed like it was beneficial for for him as well, you know, to be able to hear directly from students and and be able to interact with what's actually going on, the the work of the school. So well, you, you've, you've had a string of great presidents at Thomas Aquinas College, and it's not just asking and, and seeming interested. Um um, I'm sure they really were interested. I, I really am interested. I, I feel a kind of uh, follow, fatherly care for for the students. I know I'm not their father, except in the case of one current student and one who just graduated. But um, and I've got some uh, nephews and nieces here. But um, we don't have a religious community that's providing that sort of paternal um, um, dimension. We do have a great chaplain, but but as the as a secular uh, president uh, or a uh, non-religious, it's it's really important to to uh, to show you know what I what I do have, which is uh, I am a dad and uh, and a grandfather, and and um, they they appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, right. It's really one of the things that I always struck me going off to college. It's suddenly like, boom, you're out of you're away from your family for for many of them, and without. Good leader. So, but I've again heard just wonderful things about the University of Dallas as far as having good mentors and having father-like figures and and such that from the from the faculty and the and the staff there. Yeah, and and mother-like figures. We've got some great -like figures. Faculty. Yeah. And 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 uh, something that uh, Megan wouldn't have had on campus. Now we we have a shrine to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, which was installed in 2014. And in my first year of presidency, I worked with our, our bishop to consecrate the whole university to Our Lady of Guadalupe. And, and so we're under her patronage and that maternal care is, is absolutely essential to our identity now. I have the uh, beautiful prayer card that was passed to me from the alumni director, I think, mm -hmm. um, of that shrine. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's important. Well, when you encounter someone who doesn't realize that UD is a Catholic institution, how do you like to steer that conversation? How's that tend to go? Um, well, you know, I, I talk about what I was just describing, just the vibrancy of uh, religious life on campus. And um, 
explain that we we have just within our own Church of the Incarnation, which is our, our chapel on campus, two masses every day, Eucharistic adoration every day, um, uh, multiple opportunities for confession each week, and a really vibrant um, Catholic life on campus, focused missionaries on campus. Um, um, and they're focused on on um, students who, who may not be plugged in already to the rich liturgical life. Um, so um, the name might lead one to not think that we're a Catholic university, right? University of Dallas. Um, yeah, I, I think you guys are one of two schools on the Newman Guide list that doesn't have, you know, a saint's name in it or, or Mary or something like that. So it's interesting. Yeah, and and maybe it has a certain advantage, right? So um, there, Sister Josephine, um, who's a, a member of, um, what is it, the the sisters of um, the Nazarene family or something, which is here in Texas. I forget the exact name, but she came to the University of Dallas having no idea it was a Catholic university. She was a, a Baptist and um, uh, was shocked, stuck it out, entered our RCIA program, um, and and then decided to to uh, dedicate her life um, as a as a consecrated nun. But we, we want everyone to know that we're Catholic. The 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 church is, is sort of um, um, hard to see from the road. Every now and then we think, well, how about a a, um, a crucifix on top of the tower? But that wouldn't really architecturally fit. Um, one thing that that's going to help we're we're um, receiving relics, first class relics of Saint Padre Pio next week, and there's um, there's going to be. Um, thousands of people, I think, who are making their way to to campus, um, who who might think, oh, what? I guess this is a Catholic university. Um, they'll they'll know it for sure when they see that. But um, the the moniker that we have, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers, is important to to have that attached to the University of Dallas. And and what we mean by being independent thinkers is we want our students to think for themselves, to be strong-minded, rooted in the faith, um, to to be able to to argue without quarreling and uh, to defend what they believe because they've learned how to consider both sides of an argument and, and how to be dedicated and creative truth seekers. So um, it's become um, regular for us to say University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. I'm glad you spoke to that. I was going to ask you about that. So I, I'm glad that you brought that up. We're about 75% Catholic on the undergraduate side, which which is pretty dense, but it's not like we're 100% Catholic students. And we've always attracted students who just know that we're an excellent liberal arts university and appreciate the fact that we're faithful to our Catholic identity um, and don't don't in any way hide from that. Um, that's that's deeply attractive to um, Jewish students, to non-Catholic Christians um, who've come here and and have have shared that they find that attractive. And some of them convert while they're at. The yeah, I had a couple of friends that converted when I was there. Mm -hmm. Sister Josephine's story is so interesting. I've heard I've heard of some recordings of her sharing that story. I've heard not realizing when she got there and now where she is now. And <laughs> that's neat. Yeah. So students who arrive at UD having had a classical education experience already, they recognize that core. Um, 
what do they have to say about that? And next, I'm going to ask you about um, sort of the flip side, the the skeptics. Well, they they um, they find that their education continues, right? Um, one one of the most dispiriting things that I occasionally hear from people who've gone to a classical uh, education high school and then went to a, a college is. Um, uh, and I, I I know a lot of people like that because my kids go to classical education schools and it's the end of something, right? They 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 were introduced to this rich conversation, this rich way of pursuing the true, the good, and the beautiful. And a, by the time they graduate, a really high level of engagement around serious topics in community with others. And then they go to a, a big state university or some other school that doesn't take seriously the, the uh, uh, classical foundations of education and it all comes to an end. And that, that is so sad. So the students at the university of Dallas, um, they, they don't feel like they're um, going through groundhog day again and again and again, um, like that movie, right. Um, they're, there's something new and fresh. You're not going to read exactly the same literature and it's the very nature of a classical education that you return to topics that are of perennial concern, build upon um, the work that you've already done, and um, do so at a higher level in college. It makes a big difference to be in conversation with fellow freshmen, sophomore, junior, seniors. These, these are adults now. Um, who got a more serious um, uh, point of reflection on life. And um, to reread Plato's Republic in conversation with somebody who has been digging into the Republic for 20 years of her career as, as your professor and um, doing so in conversation with other people who are 18, 19 years old is a very different experience than reading the Republic during your junior year of high school. It just is. Um, but again, it, the, the, the works are not going to all be the same. Um, the introduction to the sciences will be different and the lab work will be different. And we're, we're an institution that takes the arts very seriously. We have a thriving drama program about 40% of our undergraduate students, although they're not all drama majors, participate in drama productions. We're one of only three Catholic universities that offers the MFA degree, that's like the PhD in studio arts, and we have masters and undergraduate majors in studio arts. So there's a lot of making that goes on within our outstanding facilities here. And um, thriving music minors, and um, we're working on on um, having a, a, a suitable hall, and then we'll have our, our major brought online. A lot of students don't want to even minor in music, but there's a lot of music making going on on campus. And so it's, it's a place in which the arts are alive. It's a community in which friendships form around a, uh, a serious concern for the most important topics. And um, students who've had a classical education in high school, they, they, they feel a continuity with what they've already done. And part of what's distinctive about the University of Dallas is we've got this both and approach. So it's, there's a core curriculum and rigorous majors. And those majors really do an outstanding job disciplining 
the minds of the students in preparing them for the next level of education if they want to go on to graduate or professional studies or preparing them to to step right into the workforce after they graduate so that that both and approach is something that will be unfamiliar to uh, Colby graduates as well and it's it's a it's a really enriching um, um, part of of the the culture on campus the last thing I'll say is now, um, I don't know if you guys wrestle with AI questions and uh, chat GBT and what's all this going to do. Um, I, I am absolutely convinced that those who have received a classical education and really flourished in it, even on the college level, um, will be the best positioned to navigate a, uh, a future that will um, um, have um, whole new careers for people who think creatively who, who are articulate, who write well, who who are rooted in a tradition, who understand what it is to be truly a citizen, um, who have a sense of their own history, they're they're the ones who are going to thrive in in the um, um, in the future, in ways um, that those who've had a very narrow technical degree are are going to be at a real disadvantage. That's an increasing topic of conversation coming more and more a part of life. So I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. So for skeptics or folks who wonder why students would want to study the classics again, after having oh. been through them once as high schoolers, you've touched on this a bit. Um, yeah. When, when you encounter that, I'm sure it's pretty, it's not uncommon that you, you hear that question and, and you've answered it quite well already, but if there's anything else you want to add to that, feel free. If, if, if one thinks that, okay, I've had my classical education, now I'm done, um, you, you sort of miss the point uh, because a classical education is an education that takes a lifetime to grow into and deepening it and um, spreading, spreading your, your, your intellectual and, and um, moral wings in new and challenging ways will only enable you to live into that education more deeply. So your graduate programs, I, I think my first um, introduction to the University of Dallas was through a friend of mine. I, I worked with at a parish. I was the music director. She was the DRE at the time. She had been through UD's graduate program for, for catechists. And so that I think that was the first time I became aware of the school. So what would you like us to know about the graduate programs at UD? And I'm, I'm also curious as uh, to whether you end up with very many formerly homeschooling parents as students there once their homeschooling years are behind them. We actually do have a fair number of, of um, uh, graduated um, homeschooling parents, uh, yeah. homeschool alumni parents. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how to describe them. Yeah. Um, you know, what, one of our, our fastest growing master's programs is the the master's in classical education. And I, I would suggest that, that that could be a value even for current homeschooling parents. I know it is an enormous load that you bear as a homeschooling parent. But um, um, most of the students, maybe even all of the students in that classical education program, which is offered online, are themselves teachers, Um, most of them at classical education schools. Homeschooling parents are teachers, and um, they may find it enormously valuable to to be in that program. 
But we we also um, you mentioned the the program in, in ministry and evangelization uh, catechetics. So we 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 have an institute called the Newhoff Institute for Ministry and Evangelization, and that offers certificate programs, and we do that. Um, remotely. We actually go to Atlanta. We go to Las Vegas. We do a lot of this in, in the Diocese of Dallas. We go to parishes and and uh, we provide a, a, a program in the Catholic uh, biblical tradition. How do you read the Bible as a Catholic? Um, a program in, in the uh, uh, systematic theology. Um, and then we, we offer full-bore theology master's programs out of our Department of Theology. Um, our um, um, you know, many other programs. We have PhD programs, um, and every now and then, um, we'll we'll have somebody in um, sort of in the in in the post. Uh, kids have graduated um, and have left the home phase of life, even in those PhD programs. Um, so literature is is a big major. We offer a, a master's degree in humanities in general as well, and. Um, we offer summer courses and and uh, sometimes courses on our, our campus outside of Rome in that program, and um, and then our we have a separate college of business um, that that offers um, uh, an MBA that's rooted in the the Catholic uh, identity of the university and and its liberal arts character that um, you can take fully online or fully on ground and. Um, um, master's degrees in cybersecurity and um, even a, a DBA, a doctor of business administration. And uh, for those who are interested in how do you wed classical education with um, market relevant um, business education, um, there, there are great opportunities there. Yeah, with with all of my TAC connections, the the graduate programs at UD have have made a close connection between the schools because there's just innumerable friends that I have that have after the after TAC have gone on to just have great experiences in in so many different programs there. Yeah, I've taught some of those TAC grads and and graduate courses here, and and they're they're fantastic. Yeah. There's been so much growth just in what's available to the students too, since I was there, I graduated in 2001. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, very, very long time ago. Not that um, long ago, Megan. <laughs> feels like it. Um, I know one thing that wasn't there when I was an undergrad was the opportunity for a business degree mm -hmm. in as an undergrad. They, of course, the graduate, the Brannis School of Management. Yeah. Management. That's what it was. Um, that was in existence and it seemed to be utilized by a lot of um adults i would say in the in the dallas area yeah. um it seemed to be like a very it was very well known um, right. amongst some of the businesses there um could you talk at all about how the business degree works because i think um there's a lot of students that like i i've i've told my own children like i'd love for you to major in humanities but maybe you should also have a second major in business do you see yeah. a lot of people doing that is that good advice it, 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 it is our most popular undergraduate major now oh. and um i i have a son um who's a sophomore at ud who's uh considering uh, business as a major, um, and you know either that or biochem. Uh, he's he's not sure. He's been doing both. They're very different. Here's what's distinctive, right? Our business majors have the full core, 
plus they take an additional philosophy and theology course. So the philosophy course is, is focused on business ethics and the theology course is on the, the encyclical tradition um, insofar as it, it relates to the economy and, and business affairs, right? So we, we want them to have wrestled with the, the foundational principles of Catholic social teaching. But they they take the same curriculum as all of the other students. So you have the core, and then you have um, additional core courses just for business majors, and then you've got the business major. And we require all of our business majors to have a significant internship experience, and we built up relationships with with corporations uh, where basically they 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 work for a semester and and um, oftentimes um, get. Uh, permanent positions with those those corporations because of that that time spent. So um, it's it, it's been a very successful major, not just because it's attractive to a lot of students, but the placements for uh, graduates from that program are quite remarkable. And um, all of the business majors are required to take courses in entrepreneurialism. Many of them. As, as you know, because you're familiar with the alumni community, we, we've got a lot of very successful entrepreneurs. And, and so what do you need to know? Now, you don't have to be a business major to take that course or some other courses. You can, you, you can uh, let's just take four or something like that and, and, and still be um, in pretty good shape uh, to explore other things. But it's, it's a major that, that you can double major in um, with, with, French or or English or what have you quite easily. Also seems like a very worthy major on its own in, in the way that you guys have structured it. Yes. So. Yeah, it is. It's it's not it's not the run-of-the-mill um, business major um, that one one sometimes thinks of as at some schools, like the major you go to if if you're not really serious about learning. Um, that's not the right. case at the University of Dallas. No, no. Yeah. So you've mentioned the Rome experience and the opportunities to study abroad. What is involved in the UD Rome experience? I, I was just on our Rome campus last week, and um, I I uh, joined the students for one of their many excursions. This was to the Castelli region of uh, Italy, which is right next to where our campus is. Uh, so Castel Gandolfo is is um, part of the Castelli region. We're we're in between Rome and Castle Gandolfo, so south of, of Rome, but only about um, a 25 minute drive to the, the heart of Rome from campus. And um, nearly all of our students, usually in their sophomore year, um, go to Rome for a full semester. And um, the, the program is designed to be a um, sort of the, the capstone of the core curriculum. We always offer the same courses there, and those courses are relevant to the location. So Western Civilization One, um, where where um, you're then able to go and visit the sites that you've you've studied about in that course, or the Western theological tradition. Similar thing. Um, we we always uh, uh, take a ten day trip to Greece. On on each of the the trips. Um, students are accompanied with uh, by faculty, and the faculty provides site lectures. So it's it's a an immersive experience. You're not just wandering about, finding your way into restaurants and and um, looking at things you don't understand. Our our faculty 
um, provide uh, really rich reflections on, on the location and connect um, those locations to what they're learning in the classroom. And, and then there, there also are opportunities during that semester for students to, to travel on their own in groups. We always encourage them to go in groups, um, small groups, and go explore Paris, go explore um, you know, uh, Germany. And, and um, that includes a you know, spring break where, where uh, we cut them loose. And, and um, uh, they, they've got numbers they can call if they're in trouble, but we want them to learn how to navigate foreign countries um, and um, that's that's part of the process of becoming men and women, right? So it it, it often strikes me that that we send um, boys and girls to to Rome and they come back men and women because they've 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 had to um, um, learn how to navigate uh, cultures in which they don't speak the language and um, and 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 it's rooted there in Rome which is of course the beating heart of the, the Catholic church and Western civilization in so many ways. So it's, it's a, um, uh, the word of the day is transformative. Stephen told us it's a transformative experience for these, these students. I, I can definitely attest to that. My Rome semester was certainly transformative for me, especially in what Dr. Sanford said in terms of, um, really the maturing of the student, you know, you leave kind of this teenager, right? Um, you might be a responsible teenager, but it's different when you go to another country and you have to navigate, you know, the metro system, the bus system. The first day they had us on the bus, taking us into Rome, showing us how to take the metro to get to, you know, the Piazza Navona. Um, and by the second or third time I went and, you know, we didn't ever really travel by ourselves. We always had somebody with us, but we knew exactly how to get there. We knew how to read a map. Now, now these days there's the whole, like, you know, I guess the kids have phones and maybe that helps them a little more, but um, being able to know exactly where to go, get your map, reading it. It, there was like a life skill that you really can't learn other than just being immersed into it. Mm -hmm. It was, it was great. So Colby Academy has a long relationship with University of Dallas. Several of our faculty members are alumni of the university, and we have many current students who are Colby alumni. Uh, there's this longstanding friendship, which is, is taking steps in, in deepening that relationship here with, with the partnership recently announced. Megan, would you tell us a bit about the opportunities that are available to Colby students to get to know the University of Dallas a bit better? Sure. And um, I can actually tie this back to the whole travel thing that we were just talking about. But okay. um, so I got to accompany um, 18 Colby students to France back in, in June or late May. Um, and I just had such a wonderful time being around the students and they just loved being around each other because, you know, of course, they're online students they are kind of all over the U.S., and I thought, you know, we ought to create more opportunities for these kids to meet up with each other. Um, and my my oldest is a junior, and I've been thinking about how he needs to start visiting colleges. And I told my husband, I'll do the whole, you know, Newman Guide circuit. And and if you want to take him to stuff in, we're in Georgia, you know, if you want to take him to some of the state schools around here, that I'll let you do that piece. So I, that just kind of got my wheels turning and I thought, you know, I'm going to reach out to UD and see if they're interested in like having like a Colby weekend or something like that. 
And um, they were very intrigued by the idea. And of course, since it's the first time, they didn't want to like just do one Colby weekend and, you know, three kids show up, right? So what we decided to do, um, along with the admissions department at University of Dallas, is to um, market one of their Odyssey days, particularly to Colby students. And assuming that we get enough students there, um, they'll have, you know, a special table for them so they can all kind of sit together during meals. Um, we may have like a special reception for them as well. And so, and just knowing how much the University of Dallas, um, I think would appeal to Colby students, it just seemed like a really, a perfect match. So I'm really excited about that. I believe the date is like November 11th. Um, Whatever the date is, I know it's on my calendar. Um, and, and I, I am uh, really looking forward to spending time with, with the Colby students who are visiting. And, and I will make sure that uh, I know who you are when you come because I, I can't wait to meet you. That sounds neat. It's a good chance to meet your current classmates and check out future opportunities. That sounds really neat. And, and Bonnie, I think you could probably put in the show notes um, a link to where they can sign up. I can get that link for you. And, and I would I would say that visiting campus um, is the most important thing you can do to assess um, different universities, right? So, Megan, you mentioned you came and visited and you fell in love with the university. And uh, that's been the case of a lot of, I would say, most of our students. And it's not because we've got, um, you know, the 100-foot um, uh, climbing wall, Um we, we don't, okay? Um, it's because we're a thriving community of, of students who take ideas seriously, but who don't take themselves too seriously. There's a, a lot of playfulness and whimsy to um, the University of, of Dallas student culture. And, um, and sitting in the classroom and seeing our excellent faculty members and how they engage with the students and they know them by name. And are solicitous for their well-being and um, uh, feeling like this is this is a place where I'm going to find friends and I'm I'm going to to um, be happy and and in fact last year uh, one of these national rankings had our students listed as the number six for the happiest students in the United States um, again I don't know how they arrive at these results but but there's something there's something to that our, our students just in a natural sense are, are uh, balanced and wholesome and, and looking for good ways to engage and play and um, take, take their faith very seriously. Um, and, and, and yet are, are detached from, from an overly somber view of themselves. And uh, they're not fraught with, with um, uh, the, the ideologies that, that, um, really are are attacking so many young people today. Um, it's just not part of uh, the culture here. So it, it, that's what I mean by just in this natural sense of of, of being, for the most part, well balanced um, young men and women who who um, want to live lives of magne- magnanimity and and um, have a, a good dose of humility um, to um, add to that mix and. Um, they, they love love to play, love to poke fun at each other, love to play music, love to act, um, and um, it's it's a um, um, a really attractive culture. There was an article that I stumbled upon sometime over the summer, 
and and I, I'll have to go look it up and maybe we can put it in the show notes. Um, but it was describing the relationships you make at college and how, like, you know, whether they would last or not last. And it actually, some, the, the author that wrote it, he did not go to UD himself, but he mentioned that he had friends that went to university of Dallas and he was astounded by the Mm -hmm. friendships that he made while he was there. I would love to see that. I mean, it is one of the most remarkable things I've noticed about our alumni community. I mean, lifelong friendships grown out of college because, you know, C.S. Lewis points out, um, friendships form when you have a common object of uh, deep interest. And and having that core curriculum is um, a way to forge that. Having experiences in Rome is a way to to forge that. And um, uh, these are friends for a lifetime that that are formed at the University of Dallas. And that becomes important in secondary ways as well, like uh, business partnerships and and um, just uh, having good neighbors. People want to continue to live near each other. And and um, a lot of marriages come out of every graduating class of the University of Dallas. And and they're 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 good and holy marriages. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot about that, all those those dimensions of the whole person and the impact that the college years have on that formation. Yeah. So yes, in our show notes, we will have a link to the episode that Megan mentioned. It's episode 163, Postcards from France. That was a fun one. Also a link to sign up for the Odyssey Day that that we've been discussing and hopefully the, the article that you were mentioning as well. So check the show notes for that. As a way of wrapping up our, our great conversation today, Dr. Sanford, would you have any words of advice or perhaps solidarity for our Colby parents as they are contemplating what's ahead for their, their children? Well, um, just principally a, a word of thanks. Thank you for for uh, endeavoring to provide your son, your daughter, with um, the most excellent of education through Colby Academy. Um, you've striven to put before them treasures of of learning. And um, my my wife and I are are homeschooling failures. Um, we we did it for years and and just. Um, had a, a a really difficult time, and um, part of that has to do with just how busy I became. And and um, but uh, I have such deep admiration for for homeschooling. And Colby is wonderful because you're con- you're able to have your children connected with so many other children who are going through the same education. It's it's a really rich network, and um, you know, I, as as you think about. Um, how to continue to provide what's best for your son, your daughter. Um, I, I just invite you to come and spend some time with us at the University of Dallas. I, I think you'll find, um, in many cases, just what you're looking for. And remember what what I said near the beginning. Uh, don't let the the sticker price um, um, prevent you from uh, applying. Um, you know, the 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 average total cost is under under thirty thousand. Um, and even less for many people, and that's including room and board and, and other fees. And um, almost every single student at the University of Dallas is a recipient of a really generous scholarship package. So we do everything we can to make college affordable. And um, remember, there's that $5,000 um, uh, scholarship for any of you who have another 
uh, child in college uh, during the time that um, your prospective son or daughter is checking out the University of Dallas. Wanted to mention, Dr. Sanford, that there's no such thing as a homeschooling failure. There, right. that God gives you, <laughs> just like when, when the job or whatever doesn't turn out how you planned or how you envisioned it, it's still a gift. That time that's that's very kind, Stephen. It's very kind. I can't shirk that sense of, man, with this was... Anyways, no, you're right. You're right. And and we found we found really good uh, places for for our kids. Good deal. Well, thank you for that and for this time you've spent visiting with us, Dr. Sanford. Please check our show notes, listeners. We will have links to what we talked about today, as well as I, I'm thinking of at least two other Colby Cast episodes with with Colby and UD alumni. So check the show notes for those to hear more about that. And thanks so much for coming to visit with us. It was a real pleasure meeting you today. But it was great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.